Welcome to Marriage Things at Community of Faith. You know, our culture is always fighting with us, always trying to say men and women are pretty much exactly alike. But God actually has something else to say. And so relationships are a struggle because we don't realize how different we really are. We want to talk to you this morning about how we're different by design. It causes a lot of issues in relationships. Take a look at this video. Every time I look into my wife's eyes, I think, is this it? Every day we fall in love more and more. With who she used to be. Someone told us once, never go to bed angry. So I just sort of store my anger inside. I may not have found the right person yet, but I'm having a pretty good time with all the wrong ones. I guess you could say the sex is efficient. I guess I have a certain type, and apparently it's the type that doesn't want to date me. The sex is great. Twice a year. I'm deeply in love with everything about her body. I thought I was supposed to have more sex when I got married. Now she falls asleep before I can put the moves on. If it hadn't have been for my marriage, I might have gone through my whole life without realizing my flaws. Every single flaw. Oh, we laugh, but it hurts a little bit, doesn't it? And, uh, you know, Laura and I realize that if we don't understand the design of why God made us male and female, we're never going to understand how to have great relationships. Whether you're married or single, this applies, but we're really focused down on marriage uh, because it's really, really difficult. So we're going to go all the way back to the origins and, and look at that, and I think God's got something to say to us this morning. Once we get that, we'll be ready for the rest of this series, what he has in store for us. You know, I was reading a couple of days ago about some of the latest philosophy, some of our great thinkers today, Elon Musk and, and others, and, and what they've decided is that evolution really can't explain the differences, the vast differences between men and women, can't really explain all of the intricacies of the universe and, and, and all that goes on and all that we feel. So They've got a new theory now. It's called simulation theory. They believe that we are all in a giant video game and that some far advanced culture is playing a video game and we're simulations in the game, but we can't tell the difference because it's so advanced. And, you know, it's interesting. They said that if you look at virtual reality the way that we have it and it's just in its infancy, phase and it seems so real but imagine a million years from now what that would look like if we were an advanced civilization and that we wouldn't be able to tell the difference and I began to think about that a little bit and it, you know it, it it's kind of disconcerting but then it, I started realizing man that's a stretch <laughs> you know that's really a stretch you have to really stretch to not believe in God and come up with that we're all in a video game you know and I thought it's so much simpler just to believe in God. The, the book of Romans says, professing to be wise, they became fools. And I think that is what we get the feel of. I want to take you all the way back to the book of Genesis, to an almighty God. And I want to show you the real origins. Not some video game that we're in, but 
this, this life that God gave us to live. Look at Genesis 1.26. If you want to pull out your little worship folder, I've got some notes in there for you. And you can follow along with Laura and me. Then God said, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, make man in our image according to our likeness. Not physical, but a spiritual personality and moral likeness. And let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, over the entire earth, over everything that creeps and crawls on the earth. Complete authority. So if earth is messed up, don't blame God, right? He gave us complete authority. But this is out of the Amplified Bible that takes the Hebrew of the Old Testament and and helps us understand it even better in English. And so you see that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are making us in His image. That word image is so interesting because it really means that when you dig into the Hebrew word, it comes from a root of shadow. We're like a shadow, like the sun shines behind you and your shadow's on the ground. We're like that with God. It's like we're just a little shadow of what God is, a little inkling of the image of God, that that's what He made us to be now I like to read out of the Orthodox Jewish Bible sometimes because it it gives us some of the Jewish words that the Hebrew words that are that are in this so let me read you Genesis 2 23 out of the Orthodox Jewish Bible and the Adam that's the human being Adam said this is now etzem of my etzem bone of my bones and basar of my basar flesh of my flesh she shall be called Isha, woman, because she was taken out of Ish, man. Isha, taken out of man. Now, some of you are going, so are you saying that you buy into that old rib thing, you know, where God took the rib and all that, and, and, and what is that all about? Actually, I do. If you think about the book of Genesis, it's written 3,500 years ago. Moses wrote it. And how would someone writing that long ago explain what God did you know the word for rib is actually can also be translated side or cell but we found with our modern technology our modern machines our modern medicine that stem cells for example are very the bone marrow is really rich in stem cells I don't know how God did it how he took a rib and how that worked you know how he took a bone from the side or the bone marrow from the side of Adam and from all of that whether it's stem cells or whatever he created Isha the woman but the Bible says that God did it now culture is fighting to say that we're very much the same but a lot of the problems that you're having in your relationships are because we've bought in to that I want us to look at what the Bible has to say but I also want us to look at what science has to say about the differences between men and women we got to fight back sometimes against what culture is trying to put on us because it's not always accurate so we want to take a look at some of our differences you know controlled academic studies repeatedly show us that men and women are different right we're different physically we're different mentally different emotionally we input process and deliver information in different ways we've been bathed in different sets of hormones These differences are measurable from our very earliest days, and hundreds and hundreds of studies have been done to show us that they are different. Men and women are different. 
Men and women see things differently from the very moment that light hits your retina and is taken into your frontal cortex to be processed. It's different. A man's retina is thicker and it has more M cells. The M cells are the ones that help men to track movement of objects. A female retina is thinner, it has more P cells, and those cells help women to identify objects and to see texture and color. So the differences start in the very beginning. Female babies like faces. Male babies prefer moving objects. That's not a surprise when I just told you that we process what we take in through our eyes differently. But a study was done of over 100 infants on the day of their birth. And they gave them the choice of either looking at a young female face or a, a dangling mobile. The researchers weren't told whether the infants were male or female. And what they discovered was that male babies two times preferred looking at the dangling moving object. And female babies preferred looking at the young female face. So we look at things differently. We experience them differently. Groups of boys and girls play differently. You guys have all seen that, right? They play differently. Boys are focused on the game. They're more competitive, more confrontational. They try to establish dominance, improve their strength. They are test hierarchies. They monopolize toys. That's how boys play. Girls, on the other hand, focus on relationship building even while they're playing. They are 20 times more likely to share. They use words that are inclusive, like let's. Let's go to the park. Let's color. You see that in little girl play. And more often than not, their pretend play involves caretaking and nurturing. Now, I'm not saying that little girls don't play rough and tumble as well, or that little boys never pretend to caretake and nurture. But science shows that there's a preference for those things between both boys and girls. And just as boys and girls play differently, mother and fathers relate to their children differently. You've seen that too as well, right? And it shows that we really do complement one another as parents. The mothers create stability. They comfort, they nurture, they encourage, they reinforce, they coddle. And what do dads do? Dads destabilize. <laughs> they, they roughhouse, they challenge, they tease, they bring unpredictability into the relationship. And I'm going to tell you, most often they do that at bedtime, right, ladies? <laughs> That's what Mark always did. The last hour before bed, when I'm trying to get him settled down and quiet, he's rousing everybody up. But there are differences in the way that we respond to our children. And again, that's not to say that fathers never encourage and nurture their children. They do. Or that mothers never get in on the weekly wrestling match. They do. But as a preference, we tend toward these things. And women tend to be more intuitive than men. You guys have probably all heard that before, but it's not just some mystic claim. Stanford University actually did a study, and it showed that women uh, catch subliminal messages faster and are more accurate in interpreting them than men are. So we really do kind of have that sixth sense, ladies. The differences start in the actual physical structure of our brains. Our brains are different physically. The male brain is 10% larger than a female brain. Now, before you guys get too proud, <laughs> let me just tell you that there are more connections between the right and left side of the female brain than the male brain. The female brain has about 200 million connections between the two hemispheres. Most of those connections 
were severed in the male brain when he was bathed in testosterone in the womb before he was ever born. So what does that say? <laughs> Men don't do nearly the amount of crosstalk between the two hemispheres of their brain as women do. That doesn't mean they don't use both hemispheres of their brain. They certainly do. But a woman uses those two hemispheres at the same time. There are connections made and constantly going back and forth in a woman's brain, and that's not true in a male brain. We may come to the same conclusion in solving a problem, but we come about it in two very different ways because our brains are actually very different. Men and women use language for different purposes. You've seen that as well, too. As a general rule, men use language to convey information, to convey facts, right? What do women do? Women use language to explore and discover their thoughts and feelings, right? They use language to make themselves feel better. It's their way of, of having intimacy with another person. That's so very different than what it is for a man. To women, words are like breathing. And that's not to say that a man can't use his words for those things as well. But as a general rule, that's how we function unless we make a choice to do something differently. Scientific studies also show that men's and women's brains age differently at a different rate. Men lose more of their cortex and lose it faster. Sorry, guys. The volume of gray matter decreases faster with age in men, which kind of proves all along what I've been telling Mark. I should probably just kind of leave that right there, but... <laughs> It doesn't really take scientific studies for us to know that we're different, right? We know that. But for so often, for so much of the time, we don't take it into consideration when we're dealing with the people that we love, and it's important that we recognize and remember how very different we are. Ladies, I want to use an example involving food because guys get this, okay? I want us to see how different we are based on food. So... What is this right here? Anybody know what that is? Can you see that? That's a waffle, isn't it? Ladies, this is how your man processes things, like a waffle, all right? And you see all the little compartments in a waffle? It's good for butter seeping down in and get the syrup all down in there. Well, that's how men process. We process in boxes. Social science scientists call it compartmentalizing. So what we do, we have like a... a box for work and we like to have success in that box and we like to find solutions and so we'll be in that work box we have like a tv box right and that's why your man just stares at the tv mindlessly he's in his box there uh, we have an xbox box some of us you know i've done a lot of counseling on that one um we we have a, a hobby box we have uh all kinds we have probably a little bigger than one of these boxes like a love box you know making love box and that's like a, its own box it's just a box by itself so we have all of these different boxes and and what we like to do is we like to enter the box and we like to find solutions in the box there's a conversation box so you know if we're in there we want to find solutions and stuff so in a conversation we're in our box trying to find solutions you're conversing with us, and sometimes we don't understand what you're trying to do because it doesn't make sense. We're moving toward fixing it, right, a solution. And so there will be times when your man's in that conversation box and you're trying to talk to him that he'll say something endearing to you like, 
is there a point to this? Uh, what are we even talking about now? You know, that kind of stuff because we have our boxes. And here's the thing, ladies. We like to be in boxes where we're successful. And not a lot of those boxes have a lot to do with you because we can't figure you out. So we stay in other boxes a lot of times. And, and that's a problem. Women, on the other hand, process life more like a plate of pasta. I mean, think about spaghetti. You look at that and all the noodles this are is there your woman combined, right connected. They all touch one another, right? I mean, if you try to follow one noodle, you're going to find that it intersects with a whole bunch of other noodles. And you could actually be tracing one noodle and move to the other one without even knowing that you change noodles. It's that seamless as you move along. Women process and face life this way. Every thought, every issue is connected with other thoughts and issues. They're all interconnected. And she takes every sensory input, everything she hears and feels and tastes and smells, and all of that is brought in and it's connected with everything else. Everything has a connection. That's why women are typically better at multitasking than men are. I mean, she can be fixing dinner and talking on the phone and writing out the agenda for the office tomorrow and getting the kids out the door and shutting the door with her foot all at the same time and do it seamlessly. It's nothing for her because her brain processes and works that way. Women are in pursuit of connection, just like you see those noodles all connected. They solve problems in a much different way than men do. They consistently need to talk things through so they can see how all the connections work out and when all of that is processed and they come to a solution rising up through all of those connections, then they can accept that and move on to the next issue. You guys think in boxes, but every thought in your wife's brain is interrelated and interconnected, just like that spaghetti. And you guys need to understand that. I mean, it would be kind of like if I heard the dog barking outside. I wonder why the dog's barking. Maybe that's Mark in the driveway. You know, he went to hang out with Joe. I'm so sad to hear that Joe's dad lost his job. I wonder if Kim got that job she applied for Poor Larry lost his job after Hurricane Harvey. That sure was some storm. I mean, some people are still out of their jobs, out of their homes. And talk about storms. I mean, this winter in Houston, we've had two snow storms in Houston. Who would have thought that? And can you, I mean, is global warming a real thing? Did the government really shut down? I guess they'll get some days off, just like our kids did. had these snow days this week. You know, I really need to get Andrew some new shoes for school. Freshman orientation's coming up. Wow, we're going to have an empty nest. I can't even go there. Is that, look at that bird out the window. I guess I should call the dog in. Guys, you're laughing, but this is how your woman thinks, right, ladies? Ladies, you just ran across most of our boxes, okay? So our eyes are rolling back in our head, and... But your woman thinks about this. Your lady thinks about, she thinks like that all the time. So guys, listen up. When she tells you at night she's too tired to make love, she's too tired to make love. She's been thinking like that all day. And even when she makes love, she's still thinking like that. So it, it's, it's crazy. Ladies, for us, we're in our boxes. And, and here's something you need to know. Some of our boxes have no words in them. And, and, and that's hard for you to understand, but 
we can just park in a wordless box and maybe it has a good, a nice emotion there or something from the past and, and kind of get this little smile on our face, you know. Here's something even sadder. Some of our boxes, they don't even have any thoughts in them. They're just empty. There's, we actually have some like empty boxes and when we need to relax, we'll just park in an empty box. And I don't know if it's because of the way that we look relaxed, you know, in our empty box or a little whatever, but that's invariably when you ladies say, so what are you thinking about? <laughs> and we've learned, haven't we guys, you can't say nothing because they don't believe that. They think that's a lot because they never think about nothing. But ladies, it's sad but true. Your man thinks about nothing. And, and so we've learned we've got to like jump through all these, these hoops and try to, try to find something to tell you or you're not going to believe us, right? But we have these nothing boxes and and here's another thing let's say you have a big fight about finances in the afternoon this is our finance box it's blown out in the afternoon you and your wife guys you have this big fight ladies we have this big fight but then it's 11 o'clock and time for bed <laughs> right you know our love box is totally intact it's over here it's nothing wrong with that. Now, the finance box is blown out. But here's the deal, guys. Your lady, it's all interconnected here. So you take the finance noodle and move it over by, well, I hate to say the love noodle, but there it is. <laughs> They're connected, all right? Ain't nothing going to happen, my friend. That's just kind of how it is. So we have a lot of differences. But I think one of the main differences, one of the most important things for us to understand is that men and women have differences in our most basic needs. And honestly, this changed everything for me when I learned this. And next week, ladies, we're going to look at your husband's most basic need. And probably it's something that you haven't been giving to him. And you may not even realize it. So guys, you want to have your wife here next week. There are things that, that we give in love because it's what we need and we want. But it's very different for our spouse. And guys, don't think that you're off the hook. Because the week following that, we're going to talk about the deepest need of your wife. And how your response to that can revolutionize your relationship. So we're going to continue over the next several weeks to look at the differences between us. So we know we have differences. But why? Why did God create us to be different? Was it just so we'd be frustrated in relationship with one another? I don't think that's it. And we want to take a few minutes here today to look at the reasons why God created us to be different. The cool thing is that the Bible tells us why, the purpose of our differences. The biggest reason is to reflect his image to the world that has lost focus. That, that he knew that this old world of ours was going to lose focus and not be able to understand or see him. And so he created us male and female so that we could help them see God. Now, I don't know that that's happening for most of us, but that was the intention. He created a living picture of himself, but there's so much more. So we created difference so that the world gets a glimpse of who God is and what he's like. We're also created differently 
to strengthen us exponentially. God designed men and women to be in the world together, not alone, and he did it so that we would be strengthened. We're stronger together. Take a look at Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. I grew up going to church, and I heard a lot of sermons and a lot of messages over the course of the years, and every time I heard a sermon from these verses in Genesis chapter 2, honestly, I would kind of cringe, because for some reason, it made me feel like I had somehow been created in a secondary role to the man. I wanted to be a good Christian, I wanted to be a good wife, I wanted to follow and believe God's word, but somehow these verses kind of took it out of me. It made it seem like God had created the man, and then he created the woman just to come alongside and help the man fulfill the purpose that he had in the world. And I want to tell you today that that's not true. It wasn't until many years later, as Mark and I were studying, actually preparing for a series of messages here at Community of Faith, that I discovered something very different. And I discovered who God created woman to be, who he created me to be. And it changed everything. Honestly, it made me fall a little more in love with my husband. It made me fall in, more in love with God. And it made me have a new vision of who I am in God's eyes. The Hebrew word, the actual words there for a helper suitable for him are azer kenegdo. That's the Hebrew. English Bibles have translated azer as helper and kenegdo as suitable. Older English translations have translated it as help meet. And I think that's a little bit where the confusion came in. These words have led us to think of the role of the woman as the man's assistant or wife or the mother of his children. And all of those roles are important and they're good, but there's so much more to it. That's not all there is. I mean, if that's all it were, we've left out half the females in the world, right? Because we're not all married. We don't all have children, but we're all women. So what was it? God was creating and why. I think the key lies in understanding the actual words used there, azer kenegdo. The word kenegdo doesn't simply mean suitable. It literally means as in front of him. Theologian Victor Hamilton describes it this way. Kenegdo suggests that what God creates for Adam will correspond to him. Thus the new creation will be neither a superior nor an inferior, but an equal. The creation of this helper will form one half of a polarity and will be to man as the South Pole is to the North Pole. It's the picture of someone who can stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with the man, stand side-beside him, that is equal, his partner, that goes through life with him that way. The Hebrew word azer comes from a combination of two root words, one that means to rescue or to save, and the other meaning to be strong. That alone changes things, right? Tells you a little bit about who you were created to be. The noun azer occurs 21 times in the Old Testament, twice in Genesis for the woman, three times for nations to whom Israel appealed to for military aid. And listen to this. The word azer is used 16 times for God as Israel's helper. It translates strength, the strength of God himself. So if you look at 33, Psalm 33:20, it says, We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. He is our azer and our shield. 
Psalm 70, verse 5 says, But as for me, I am poor and needy. Please hurry to my aid, God. You are my helper and my savior. O Lord, do not delay. God, you are my azer, my savior. That changes the meaning of the word, doesn't it? 21 times the word is consistently used in a military context. Israel seeks military aid from her neighbors. God is his people's shield and defense. He's there better than chariots and horses. He's the one who's standing sentry watch over his people. That's the word azer. Genesis 2.18 could be translated, I will make a power or strength corresponding to him. Here's the thing. God calls me the same thing he called himself, Azer Konegdo. That's not a secondary role, is it? The woman was never meant to simply be an assistant for the man. When God created a power or strength for the man that would he created her to in every way correspond to him, to be equal to him. God created Azer to be a warrior. And honestly, ladies, you know that deep in your soul, don't you? You know that's who God created you to be. God created us to be warriors with our brothers, and he deploys us to break the loneliness for the men in the world so that we can soldier with him wholeheartedly to accomplish the purposes that he's given us here in the world. That's who you're called to be. You're his strongest ally. You're the first roadblock when he veers off course. That's what the Azer does. I mean, we're kind of like Wonder Woman, right, ladies? Have you seen that movie? We're Amazons. That's who he's called us to be alongside our men. Descriptions of women as weak and needy and vulnerable, they're simply wrong. So much of the time in the world, women are told that we're only valuable if we're beautiful or if we're mothers. We're told that we are uh, too controlling or too emotional. We're not logical enough. We're too high maintenance. We're too fat. We're too thin. We're too bold. We're too uh, strong. We're too ignorant. We're too assertive. Too much and not enough all at the same time. But you are God's creative masterpiece, fearfully and wonderfully made in his image, created purposely to bear the image of God. God himself has defined who you are and how you're to live in the world, and that's what he says. You are Azer Konegdo. You are God's warrior. God's plan wasn't for the woman simply to do things for the man that he could already do for himself. God didn't say, you know what, I've created man and I really need to create a woman so that somebody will be able to find his socks. <laughs> That's not your purpose in life. Now, it's great if you do that. <laughs> but the help that your man needs is that you deploy every gift and every strength that God has given you and you come alongside him. That's help for him. That's what he needs in his life. These verses show us that God wants us to be used together, and he wants to strengthen us exponentially for his purposes. Another reason is to grow us, to grow us. It's not some cruel joke. It's not like God's up in heaven and goes, I'm going to put Mark and Laura together, and this is going to be great, angels. Watch this over the years, right? No, he wants to grow us. The Bible says his iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another, but sometimes sparks are going to fly, and, and, and that's what we're going to see. Part of it, he wanted us to get outside of ourselves so that we could understand one another, so we could get out of our selfish lives and into the lives of others. 
But the last thing, and I want you to see this. This is so important, and we'll close with it. It was so purposeful that he made us male and female. We need to understand that because he wants to reveal himself through us. Let's look again at Genesis just quickly. Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God speaking, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Again, out of the Orthodox Jewish Bible, listen to this. So God created humankind in his own salam, his reflection, his shade, like we talked about, his image. In the salam Elohim, the image of God, created he him. Sakab, male, and Nekabah, female, created he them. With these two words, gender is introduced. See, we've already been introduced to ish and ish-ah, man and woman, the physical beings, the sexual beings, but we are so much more. We are Nekabah and Zakab. Male, female, spiritual beings. We're relationally gendered. We're masculine and feminine. We're created to reveal something about God's nature, about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Psychologist and theologian Larry Crabb says this. He says, nekebal, female, what it means, open, receiving, accepting. The feminine that invites others to see something about God that is irresistibly attractive that invites others into God not to control not to demand that's that that came after the fall we see that in the curse of the fall but to invite and then sakab male to move into the masculine that strongly enters the lives of others but you see each of us we, we have kind of a a, a core terror for women it's to never be truly known. To give an invitation and no one responds. She has no lack of friends. Men and women sincerely enjoy her. She's witty, intelligent, attractive, fun. But she longs for more. To be explored, to be seen, to be wanted, to be known. Even in her struggles. But the woman is afraid. What if she invites and no one comes? What if she invites and she's told you're not worth it? You're not enough. See, her father didn't. He, it seemed watching television was a lot easier just side by side than really knowing her. Her husband, he's clueless. It's so not worth the risk. So she presents herself as having it all together. She pretends everything's fine. Everyone buys the lie. Pretending is what makes life bearable. Fear destroys the feminine. She covers herself with fig leaves all over again. And the glory of God remains unrevealed. Guys, for us, our core terror is weightlessness. That they will discover that I am not adequate. He thinks he's a decent guy, he's, he, he, he's a good Christian man, he goes to church, he even gives at the offering, but there's a strong sense inside that something's off. He manages to smother it beneath 
overwork, beneath a good sense of humor, but beneath, you know, hitting in the low 80s on the golf course feels pretty good. But that sense of offness, whatever it is, it, it lies stubbornly unexamined. Guys, let me just tell you this. If you're given to outbursts of rage that you later apologize or regret, if sexual urges drive you toward satisfaction with little thought of anyone but yourself, if moving toward your wife or girlfriend to help her be fully alive as a woman is a new thought, if you talk with other men and it mostly just revolves around sports or politics or, or like kind of a light banter, then it's likely that you're living with a false understanding of what it means to be a man. According to God, a woman is least feminine. Now, not according to culture. Culture would suggest otherwise. She's, she's least feminine not when her hair is a mess or her figure doesn't look like a Victoria's Secret supermodel, but she's least feminine when her soul is closed her arms are crossed her words lock the door uninviting impassable the cost the fear too great she stays busy but she's searching for a satisfaction that never comes a man is least masculine not as culture says but what the scripture says not when he makes too little money or his body is weak, but when his soul is frozen and it's more about him and protecting himself from the feeling of insignificance than it is moving powerfully into the lives of others to pour hope into their emptiness and loneliness. Chances are you've maybe never met a truly masculine man. See, he may appear the devoted husband, a Christian who believes it's his calling to protect his wife rather than pursue her, really know her. How many men do you know that move with gentleness into the inner world and the deep hurts of their wives or their girlfriends or their daughters? Willing to discover the struggle that they have no idea how to solve. That's hard for us guys. We're problem solvers in our little box but to be truly masculine you have to move in to their world and you're not going to know how to solve it and there's going to be a struggle and a hurt without solution there's not a box for that so why did God make us male and female 